Hello, and welcome to Form, a podcast that explores the artistry and architecture behind communication. I'm Silver Wallace. And I'm Kate Douglas. In this episode, we speak to playwright Andrew Rincon. I met Andrew during our Dramatist Guild Fellowship and immediately wanted to befriend him. Firstly, because he's a witty and warm human, but also because he's a much better writer than me. It's always good to be friends with people who are more talented than you, girl. I mean, that's why I befriended you. I mean, <laughs> that's right. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> we talked to Andrew about his comedic voice, honesty, journal entries, and so much more. Here's one of our favorite moments from that conversation. Heads up, like all our conversations, this segment is unfiltered. This episode contains explicit language and mature content, so listen at your discretion as we aim to fully form mindful ideas and language. But I think I've always had a little bit more of a comedic voice. I'm like a queer kid that and Latino, so I grew up with so much camp. So when I first started writing, which I started a bit later, uh, like 20 is when I actually started like thinking I was like, oh, I can write and, and do it and, and perform. I performed like things I wrote. Um, so I think sometimes I, I, <laughs> I, I don't think I ever really worry as much from an audience perspective, like in the, in the sense of like, oh, if I'm writing a script that's going to be performed for people, I, I'm not as concerned about that. Cause I think because my voice sometimes really vaults in and out of comedy, I think there's an, an, and I tend to write really fast tempo stuff. I, I think I have, I think if I was a heavier writer in the sense of like writing like a slow burn kind of a writer that wrote, which much more of like, um, you know, something that, that, that was much more serious on the surface of things or what have you, I think I, I, I would have maybe battled with that concern a little bit more, like you're saying. But I think I've always, I think for me, I've I've always been more in touch with myself rather than if something is like, does this land? Because I think that's where I struggle more. And I think by the time I have something like going out in front of people and the minutes in front of people, I'm much more comfortable than I ever am when I'm just me in the computer kind of writing. Um, so I think for me, I think that feeling that I told you about that I'm trying to temper because I think I'm not trying to like, you know... <laughs> masticate myself a little bit but that open vein kind of feeling I don't know there's I I tried it my whenever I'm writing something whether it's working on a scene or working on a moment in a play I'm really looking for those moments I feel really kind of open or I feel really kind of drained a little bit there that I know I know I put something in it um that's leading to something and I know it will affect people and I think if you look at shorter plays I've written which are always a great microcosm of like then like a longer full length script that might be a hundred plus pages. Every 10 minute I write, like the one I wrote yesterday has moments of like, it's like, it's like music. And then it comes into a place where all the characters are kind of open and ripped open and, and talking about it. So I don't know. It's just a feeling I get, I think when, when I'm writing something and I'm like, ah, I wrote something and it's there. I know that there's, there's, as long as I get to that point at some point in some part of the story, where I feel like this is honesty and people can can know recognize that it's someone being brutally honest with themselves. I know it's I've communicated my idea and that I've I've been successful with that communication. Would you say that that um 
is also reflective of how you communicate in your day-to-day life in a very like personal way yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, for I, sure. You just made me, it made me, you sparked that question for, for me because I was like, wow, that's so, uh, that's great. And I, yeah. that resonates with me. And also, I wonder what a, like, a lover's quarrel looks like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's a lot of emotion. I was just saying today, I'm, I'm here living with my family, like uh, being a COVID displaced person from New York. And, um, with one of the dogs that I'm living with, she's like very affectionate and she's just always on top of me trying to get affection. I'm like, this is like, what is like dating me? It's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think, I think I'm someone, I mean, any job I ever worked at in a day job setting, I've gotten flack for like unprofessionalism <laughs> and, you know, some of that's been like dealt with as I've gotten older and realized, yeah, maybe there's some times where like having a certain moment or talking about my night might not be the best place to, you know, talk about the gangbang I went to or whatever it was that I, I was doing. But I think I am someone that I, I do, I come from a family really ridden by, riddled with trauma. Like I, I come from poor South Americans and my mother had a very traumatic childhood and my grandmother helped raise me. There's lots of complicated things in my family. So an average dinner or meeting, like we, we talk about the traumas a lot, I think. Um, Not necessarily saying that's the best option. I think that's just how we, I don't, we've never been a family that something big's happened. It's it's something we talk about, like that waspy kind of idea of like, Oh, we don't talk about things at the dinner table is very foreign to me. So I think there is something in how I like to communicate um, I like really honest conversation. I love conversation. I love that kind of meatiness when you, when you're talking to someone and it, and you're really talking about real shit, I think. So, yeah, I think that's totally, I don't think I ever really necessarily put those two together. So I'm glad you asked that question because I think that's, that's true of like, I just, I want to, I want to really talk about someone's hopes and dreams and the marks on their life and the moments of joy and heartache and laughter. And I think all of those things I just is really what I'm trying to write every time, you know, of like people experiencing all those things. So our next question is normally we, it, it seems like an outward facing question. Like what's the line between communication and manipulation? But I'm, I actually want to ask you, do you feel like you're ever when writing, manipulating your emotional life to get to a certain point? I don't, I think sometimes I wish I was <laughs> like, I think I wish it. And I think I'm, I'm slightly getting better. I think that's why I'm saying that at times I, I try to, backtrack pull away a little bit from the emotion of something because I think sometimes in a in a work of art I think it's both open heart come look at me but you also it can't all be that like it has to be there has to be some construction behind it because you know it's that joke of like everyone's you know when you go to I remember when I took a fiction workshop and you know I was so insecure walking into that fiction workshop because I was like I'm a playwright it's weird you know, like it, it was really interesting. The the fiction workshop I, I was in last year, there was also like a painter there and a poet. So there are a couple of us coming at fiction writing from different kind of areas. But I was talking to the teacher about this because she came from a she was originally a playwright. That's how she first started writing. And now she's a novelist. And the, we were talking about there's something in the in in playwriting, too, that's in theater where it's like your op- people's first open hearted kind of writing adventures are always the most kind of drenched in 
you know, it's one person running on stage and being like, I hate you, dad. Like, it's very, it's very that. So I think there's like, there needs to be some manipulation in it because I think if it's just kind of the self, there's a difference between a journal. And I think sometimes theater has a tendency to be very like, here's my journal rather than like, oh, am I really kind of thinking? And I mean, we see even in, in on, on a larger scale with like sometimes when people are writing really problematic things in and of their experiences or, or things that people on the outside. And I think that sometimes that happens when there isn't enough, maybe objectivity, which comes with manipulation, I think. Though manipulation, I think inherently is a very, it sounds like a very, I think we all associate it with a very um, negative connotation. But I think in terms of you creating art, there has to be some manipulation because it just would be unreadable and watchable if it, there wasn't. That's why I'm just in awe of you because I feel like you touch on honesty, but it's not a journal entry, which is, mm. you know, what happens to me when I, you know, sometimes I feel like, oh, this is actually, this is therapy. This is not theater. Right. I've got to pull back a little. So that's why I'm just so in awe of what you do is I feel like you, it's, it's like uh, in acting school, I, we had a silver and I had a teacher, Terry Knickerbocker, who used to say that character acting was the height of acting like the peak that was like the highest you could hope for because it was a having a true lived emotional experience inside of this other character you know body persona etc etc and i feel like that's what you do is like sort of you have a truthful experience inside of an imaginary circumstance i'm just a fan (laughs) Mm. i'm a fan of you Mm. i love that that's and I think that, it, I mean, it sounds to me, I don't, I don't know you. So I, <laughs> I can't speak, uh, <laughs> I don't know you, but um, it sounds to me like your um, obsession and passion about honesty and vulnerability and realness uh, helps to fuel and like helps to fuel respectful boundaries inside of your imaginary worlds and creates yeah. more authenticity. And like, like you said, less of like these journal entries that we sometimes are, are watching um, on the screen or on the stage or in music, you know, you can, you can mm-hmm. see it in so many different uh, mediums. But Absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I think there's, there's, I think because the difference is like, you can share something really, really powerful to you and that doesn't necessarily have to be a secret but it can just be something that um you'd be cautious to give to others and i think there's something in i I keep thinking now i keep thinking of this given that great question you asked earlier about how i communicate in in my day-to-day and how that kind of translates and i think that's because you know what my play that probably got me that most people have known me for is it's called i want to fuck like romeo and juliet and the play is very kind of one of those plays that I'm slightly embarrassed when I like meet someone and uh, it was having a production and now postponed because of everything in the pandemic. But, you know, when people ask me like, oh, what's the show about? It was very well uncomfortable because the title has fuck in it. And I already sound like some like faggoty heathen just running around crazy. Like when I, I was at job interviews and people were asking me because it was like, what came up as like, what are you working on? And 
And then I was just uncomfortable. Um, I want to, like, wanna, like oh, it's, <laughs> just, it's a play. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I'd always, like, apologize for it. I was like, I'm, okay, I'm about to say, but it's also like, fuck, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, like, that play, so it would be something I'd be embarrassed to try to, like, t- tell people about. But it's about, like, Cupid, who's a Latina, and, like, it's falling from Earth, and her sometimes lover saint valentine is like trying to make her take up her mantle again because she's like given up on love and it interlaces with the story of these two queer boys like battling with uh, through a breakup and all this stuff and there's one character in it talks um basically reveals near the end of the play like one of the struggles he's having and, and maintaining his relationship is because he hasn't told his partner about uh sexual abuse that he went through as a child and that was that was something like um, when we auditioned the play earlier this year um, and prep for the production, uh, uh, it, the parts were like advertised as queer. So a lot of like queer actors and queer identifying people came out for it, which was like lovely and why, you know, one does what he does. But uh, a few of them really and during this audition, like t- talked about specifically that moment and reading the play and, and how one one actor really kind of opened up in a and I in a, in such an open way that I kind of blacked out of my own kind of like trauma with what I've gone through. And and we shared a moment kind of after. But it, it there's something when you, I think, share something and it's heard and people respond in a way that, you know, it's also d- done well. It's not a journal entry, but rather like something you've impart you've given to someone rather than kind of I think the connotation what the problem we have with all these things we're talking about with music or a journalistic kind of thing there's a little bit of force it's like a guy at a party that talks to you about being like an amateur rapper and then forces you to listen to a rap which I've been through and was like a hellish nightmare that I couldn't get out of in the I'm sure it was only 10 seconds but it felt like 10 years it was like terrible but um I think it's part of it. It's like really making sure that you can, that you're imparting something rather than forcing something on someone. I love that. It has to be a gift. It has to be a gift. It has to be a gift. Andrew Incon is a queer Colombian American playwright based in NYC. Plays include The Lonely, That Rhythm in the Blood, and I Want to Fuck Like Romeo and Juliet. In development, a play that fuses telenovela and mythological storytelling, The Myth of My Pain. Thank you for listening in. I'm Kate Douglas. And I'm Sylvan Wallace. Check out our Patreon for more content at patreon.com slash form a podcast. This episode was mixed and produced by me, Kate Douglas. Theme song is by the amazing Warp Trio. Follow us on social at form podcast.